0: Hi everyone this is Megan again with the naked without shame podcast you may notice that Morgan isn't here with us today and instead I have two lovely ladies Alex Ross and Caroline Anderson with the culture project who will be joining me in a discussion on theology the body today stay tuned after this
1: open your
0: All right, everyone, before we begin, I want to invite you to consider joining our patronage community that Morgan and I have for the podcast. If you go to nakedwithoutshameshow.com, you will see ways in which you can donate to our cause here. Also, if you want to receive more content from the Awaken Catholic Ministry, you can go to the Awaken app. The Awaken app is a community of people who enjoy the content at Awaken Catholic. There's a shop, there's prayer opportunities, ways that you can meet others in the community. And to do that, you can go to the AwakenApp.io. Okay, so here we go. We're going to get started with our conversation. Alex and Caroline, thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited to be talking to you more about your lives, your interest in theology the body, how you learned about it, and also how you were led to become missionaries for the Culture Project. Which is a theology of the body outreach ministry.
1: Absolutely. So We're excited to be here.
0: Of course. Yeah, yeah. So you two are currently working and serving in the Diocese of Toledo, I believe, with the Culture Project. And you've been here for how many years now? So
1: this is, um, we are here for a year as a team. Okay. Um, but as missionaries in the culture project in general, I've been serving three years. So I was in Toledo two years ago, and then I was in Cleveland, now I'm back in Toledo. And then uh, Caroline was in Cleveland and then. This is her
0: first year in Toledo, and we'll be here until May. Okay, mm-hmm. wonderful, great. So tell me, I guess, a little bit about each of your backgrounds, if you don't mind, kind of maybe where you're from and your faith and um, how you were led to be called to to do this mission work.
2: Absolutely, wanna start? Yeah, I will. Um, So I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. I'm a Texas girl, born and raised, and this is my first time living outside of the state. Um, So everyone pray for me, I'm a little cold, but um, I actually grew up in a Presbyterian family and I know God because of the way that I was raised. Um, My mom, shout out if she ever sees this, was a church choir director, so we have a little family band going on. And um, Mm -hmm. at the end of my high school experience, I was having a really hard year and what, for whatever reason, I still kept pursuing the Catholic Church and the faith and researching and praying about it. I had um, a boyfriend at the time and his family who were great witnesses to me of the faith called out a lot of my misconceptions. And by freshman year of college, I felt like I had been pursuing the spirit of truth and I had found it in the Eucharist. And so I became Catholic my freshman year of college at 19 years old and then um, had a radical encounter with the Lord um, a few years later in Poland on an all-girls pilgrimage with focus in the Sisters of Life. And um, that just kind of set me on fire and brought me even deeper. Wow, that's amazing. So it was
0: actually in high school that you were given people in your life to witness the Catholic faith that kind of led you to an intrigue. Exactly. Was, it, was there anything in particular about the the faith and the way they lived it
2: that stood out to you that you
0: thought i think this might be true Mm, that's a great
2: question i think um growing up um i almost felt that i was missing something um and even going to church camp i was told caroline like you should go to seminary one day um because in different denominations um women can be pastors and um I was always the one in small groups searching and, um, just very much, um, wanting to know more, what was more. And there was only a surface level that could be offered to me. And there was something that, um, showed a depth in this family and in this witness that they were perfectly broken, just like the rest of our families. And, um, they didn't know everything, but they knew there was a depth that rooted them and that grounded them and connected them and, I'll never forget when the father of this family once shared with me even about Marian apparitions and Our Lady of Fatima. And um, I had never heard of that before in my entire life. And I knew there was a, something that was, it felt like someone was holding out on me. And there was just so much more. And I had only begun to scratch the surface.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's so just providential. It sounds
2: like you, mm-hmm. you had this
0: desire in your heart and like God kind of filled it with, mm-hmm. which just different, um, experiences and knowledge of the faith yeah. to, to lead you then to becoming Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so where did you attend university?
2: I went to the university of Texas, Hook 'em horn. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the university Catholic center there is where I became Catholic.
0: Wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's so great. And I'm sure you had a lot of support, um, in your Catholic community there. I know, I did when I was in college too, yeah. just like being surrounded by so many people who were fervent for the faith. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that was also a beautiful.
2: Yes, part I hear your story. I randomly got placed in a Bible study my freshman year. And the leader is my best friend to this day. And um she's one of the few people who was there at my Easter vigil and um then just countless other friends who, many of whom are my supporters on mission right now. And um just the way that even though my family's not Catholic, I have um, gained Catholic family both before and during this mission especially. So
1: yeah.
0: Mm, That's wonderful.
1: Well, thanks for sharing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Alex, how about you? Tell us about
0: your story.
1: Yeah. So I am the oldest of five kids. I'm in a crazy Catholic family. And when I say crazy, they're (laughs) absolutely wild. And that's what I love about them. Um, And in that context of just wildness and fun and play, I think I was able to really become passionate about drinking deeply out of life, Um, seeking the most out of life, living fully, discovering myself in art and sports and all of these different things. Uh, I always joke with the kids in the classroom, I can always find something to relate with someone on because I played like 10 sports, a bunch of instruments, did theater, like everything I could. Um, And this desire was mainly just to discover life. But then I think as I transitioned to high school, this desire to do everything became more about proving myself. And proving myself as lovable. And it was really in the context of one day having my dad look me in the eyes when I was having a breakdown and go, Alex, like, you don't have to do all of this. Like, you don't have to earn my love, your mom's love, your peers' love, God's love. Like, you are good as you are. That really, like, wrecked me. Because our desires are like rocket fuel, right? And if we don't know where we're pointing them or know that they are there, dormant underneath the surface, like boiling, then we are missing one of the greatest assets we have to launch us in the right direction. And when I become aware of how I was acting on my desire for love, for connection to be seen um, in so many like ways that we're good, but we're just coming from the wrong place, Just opened my eyes. I had no idea that that was what had been going on. This desire for communion was really launching everything. Um, And over the course of high school, I began to point that towards God, that desire towards God. Um, And it surprisingly helped me to drink more fully out of life, just like I desired what led me to all of these things I was doing in the first place as a little child. Um, And so, Really in high school, I was blessed my senior year to be introduced to the theology of the body in a theology class. And what I learned then in high school was the church wants me to be happy. The church isn't afraid to talk about sexuality and the church has information about how I can integrate my sexuality into God's plan for love, which is my happiness because his will is my happiness. And that was all I really took away Um, because it was a gushing hose of information and I had seven other classes, right? But just knowing that was so, so important for my formation going into college because that's when I got smacked with the culture um, that didn't live like people's dignity was inherent, that didn't live like people were gifts to be encountered or that ourselves were gifts to be given, but um, as objects to be taken or used, or proved um, that our enoughness, our value was was something to be stroven for rather than um, something just innate in us because we were made in the image of, of God and of a good God, a loving God, a beautiful God, um, and a God who's a trinity. So he's communion and he desires that for us, right? And so I quickly found myself in an unhealthy relationship. Didn't start off that way like a lot do. Um, but one day my roommate looked at me And she said, Alex, in in this relationship you're in, are you happy? And my heart was so crushed to answer her, to hear the answer coming out of my mouth of no. Mm. And remembering that the church had the pathway to my happiness, I went just running back into theology of the body as much as I could. Um, after breaking off that relationship, I remember just going to the chapel and just bawling my eyes out and asking Jesus, okay, what is love then? You're gonna have to teach me. Cause I thought I knew, but apparently I didn't because I have been pointing this rocket in the wrong directions. Um, but these desires, this rocket fuel is still there. Teach me what to do. And when I looked up at him um, in the monstrance, I was like, that's it. Like, that's the love I'm called to, that self-gift, and that's the love that I deserve. Not because I did anything, but because he declared me worthy of it by his sacrifice, and the price tag he put on my life is his blood. Um, And so that changed the way I lived, and it made me run towards discovering the theology of the body more through relationship. And really, I discovered that healthy love and relationships— helped me to drink deeply of life helped me to become more fully alive in who i was i felt more alex in a healthy relationship than i did isolated which was to me um or in an unhealthy relationship right i i needed that that vision of the human person in order to understand what my desires and my love was for and that changed everything um and led me to encountering the culture project because here i was on that search and Um, the Lord really did answer my prayer of teach me how to love by placing all the right people in my life, all the right information in my life. And I was at a Sikh conference and I picked up a little culture project pamphlet. And in that pamphlet had so much practical advice that I had been missing. I had a lot of the theological head knowledge of TOB and stuff like that. But here were young men and women who were telling me, here's how to have a conversation with a significant other. Here are some good boundaries to set. Here's my experience. And finally, i had the practical tools to reach these ideals i so desired um and so that really
0: changed the game for me wow thanks for sharing that yeah. that's very interesting i loved just hearing about what seemed like a a cycle of being a child and being very interested in the world and like mm. almost like god communicated through your experience of of like loving life and just mm. being very interested in things to reveal himself like he's yes. he's already giving you gifts he's he's already giving you the fulfillment of your desires in just like loving life and then having you kind of return to that later but but with as you're saying these tools like the knowledge of theology of the body but then the practical tools as you're saying of relationship to live out your ideals and just kind of deepen the gifts that god wanted to give you and the desires to mm. to be fulfilled in you.
1: That's so, so spot on. Mm-hmm. I think like this world, um, the more we have this TOB lens, right? Um, which honestly I think is the lens we're given as a child. Mm-hmm. We're just like coming back to that place, kind of like we're coming back to the garden, um, to that that piece of the interior gaze, that pure gaze. Um, when we have that gaze, when we have that lens, everything's draped and givenness. Others, ourselves, the world around us, beauty, it's just draped in the reality that this is a gift given straight out of the hands of God and he knows exactly what he's
0: doing and it it changes things it makes it a little bit more exciting <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot more exciting actually it does and it, it it secures you i was you know i was just thinking about how wonderful your dad it sounds because he's yeah. like oh wow you know you don't have to earn my love or you don't have to earn anybody's love but like the father in heaven like he mm. secures us in telling us like you're being taken care of. You don't have to earn anything. You're, you know, you're good as you are and just delight in, in the world. Mm. Um, that can be difficult to always receive with, you know, the brokenness at times, but, but to start to, I don't know, pray, pray through the, the givenness as you're saying and, uh, receive that it starts to help you see the truth better. So yeah. Thank you both for sharing your, your stories. Um, Why don't you now tell me more, a little bit more about the culture project itself? So, maybe when it was founded, what
2: the mission is, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, the mission is not actually that old. I believe we're in our eighth year of mission. And, um, And actually branched off of a different organization um, and took this wonderful journey towards not just wanting to uphold the dignity of a human person, um, especially when we come to issues such as abortion, human trafficking, pornography, but go back to the root too of um, how we relate to one another. and. how virtues and um, especially the virtue of chastity in relationships help us to be more fully alive like alex mentioned and so we um speak in middle school, high school settings typically, as well as with young adults, young people wherever we can, as well as parents, which is super special, um, about what it means to be human and what are we longing for in our hearts and how can we, like Alex mentioned again, point those rocket engines where they're meant to go rather than these counterfeits that we don't really want anyway. And so we give formal presentations as well with um, walk with young people in in informal ways and um, through even lunch encounters, um, getting to know their stories and. Lives, and we live in community so that we can be formed and um, we can be loved as well when we are seeking to love others.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of different avenues that you can take then to just mm-hmm. to share the message. You, you're here in this diocese of Toledo to really like get to know the people here and to go into the schools or go into the parishes to to share your your formation. That's so good. Absolutely. Exactly. Do you have? Um, I guess, a specific formation that you go through before you become a missionary? We do, yeah. So we have two main trainings. We have one
1: in June where all the returning missionaries and all the new missionaries come together for spiritual formation Mm -hmm. to be formed really in the Benedictine charism. We do it at uh, St. Vincent's Arch Abbey in Pennsylvania, which is just such a beautiful place. One of the founders of the Culture Project is now a monk there. So it's just really special to receive his formation and the other monks there. Um, and we also train our missionaries to support raise over the summer. And then we have a month and a half in the fall just of entering in as a community to our pillars of prayer, of work, um, of all of these of all these different things to really um, take a look at different areas. And we have a ton of experts come in um, Christy or uh, Stephanie Gray, Brian Butler, like all of these big names in the areas of theology of the body and pro-life topics and gender identity and understanding how to talk to kids about pornography, all of these different um, topics. And we're formed for like a month and a half, which is one of the most valuable things about the missionary program. In my opinion, Um, the sisters of life come in. So if anyone out there is considering being a missionary I can promise you that the formation that you'll receive in the Culture Project will set you up for your vocation, for just being human, um, for knowing what it means to be human. Um, And so you really can't go wrong. But then, the, I think, fullness of that formation happens in just community life on mission. Um, So there's currently four communities um, in the Culture Project. We have two here in Ohio in different dioceses and two in Pennsylvania. Um, But we've been in a lot of different dioceses and are looking to always expand as missionaries are made available. Um, And it's always a gift to be placed and to really enter into not just talking about love, in the classroom, but living love and the putting in the work to love in community life um, and trying to make a family out of strangers Mm -hmm. like that will teach you how to expand your heart more than anything. Mm
0: -hmm. That's beautiful Mm -hmm. that those are two really important pieces, I think, to formation as we're talking about it to to be formed by experts and to by prayer and through this formation program you have, but also then in the communities that you then live in and then expand through your mission work. Um, Yeah. Morgan and I talk a lot about that, like kind of living the theology body is as much of a Mm. way to evangelize it as to speak it, Mm -hmm. but both are necessary, right? Both, both witnesses are, are necessary to hear the words, um, you know, to like hear the, the people in our lives that, gave witness to the faith to help us, but then also to to see virtue or to see um, people trying and living in community and living the truths are just really just important ways of evangelizing. so.
2: And that's why in most of our presentations, we never go in alone. We go in with at least two teammates um, from our team of six that we have here. And it's really cool, I think, because the students notice something special about the way we interact with each other. Even one of the missionaries on our team this year, he met our team last year, noticed something about the way we interacted with each other and wanted that and joined. So wow. there is something attractive to virtue and to what healthy relationships really look mm-hmm. like.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was just going to say, especially when that's just not what we're used to seeing. Mm. Um, And the reason we're not used to seeing it, I'm convinced, is that it's hard (laughs) (laughs) and people don't want to put in the work um, because I don't think they realize the hope that's on the other side Mm -hmm. of um, pursuing hearts, even when you don't naturally click in your personalities or whatever these things look like. But um, I think that's one reason. And then we just look around at the examples we have today with a utilitarian mindset um, and we just, something in our heart like rips. We're like, that just isn't right. It does not feel right. Um, and so when we see what is, we just want it. We just want it. And I know every single person's story I've talked to, including my own, there's people who show us what it looks like to live virtue that makes us want it because we're like, oh,
0: I can do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. As you're talking it when you use the word utility, what came to my mind was the experience of not actually being received for my own sake.
1: Mm. Right. So Mm. just,
0: just being a friend or wanting to be someone's friend because I can give something to them or I don't know, maybe there's like a certain feeling that comes from that or in dating the same, same way. Right. But, but the, the path that's hard is to recognize and learn how to receive somebody for their own sake, Mm -hmm. not for whatever they can give you or provide you or how you can gain anything from them, but, Mm -hmm. but to just simply like receive them and love them. But that, but that is really, it's important to know first like where they come from in order to receive them for their own sake, right? To have faith, to have an understanding of, of, you know, for us like the Catholic faith, where we come from, where we're going to see, um, yeah, what it means to be human and how to receive people. So,
2: yeah, you just sparked a memory in my own head of, um, the guy I had mentioned before I was dating in high school. I ended up dating for about four and a half years. And at the end of our relationship, um, when he broke up with me, I'll never forget him kind of struggling right before saying like, but if our relationship ends, you were so helpful to me. Um, like what, it's like, what will I do because of all the things you helped me with? And if anyone's into Enneagram, I know it's a little spicy, but, um, like definitely the type two, the helper type, like I, I love by giving up myself for another. And, um, and so there was something about that time where he said, but you were just so helpful to me, but at the same time saying, but I've been telling you, I love you for a year and like, haven't really meant it. Um, Mm -hmm. that was a particularly painful breakup because, um, what can you do when you realize that someone has stuck around because of what you wore for them, rather what you wore? Mm,
0: yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So to, to. um, Yeah, you can probably kind of like it when you get deeper and deeper into a relationship, have those lines blurred. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that confusion of, you know, I think I might I love this person, but then not recognizing the way I might be like benefiting too much or like. The priorities maybe are a little bit off for yep. sure. Yeah. I'm sure in your your um, mission work, you talk to a lot of students about dating and do they have a lot of questions about that? Oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> Not just about dating, but about talking, right? Yeah. I think we're in a oh. age of chronic non-commitment. And so mm. I'll sometimes I'll be like, hey, middle schoolers, like, is anyone like dating? Like, how's the dating culture? And it'll be crickets and I'll be like, okay. What about talking? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, what happens is they are having these almost relationships um, without the commitment. Mm -hmm. And that they can't feel like responsible for the other person. So that if they were to just decide not to talk to them anymore, that other person wouldn't have anything to really say like, you hurt me because... You know, there wasn't a commitment there to begin with, Um, even though there is a real hurt because of the lack of clarity. And so I think because of all that confusion, the kids have so many questions about what does it look to date healthily? What does it look like um, to be in an unhealthy relationship and how do I get out of it? What do I say to a sex request? Mm -hmm. Um, These are all things that they're facing at increasingly young ages and they just want scripts, they just want scripts. I've had a girl tell me, you mean I could say no to a sex request? I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she just, it was a huge realization for her to realize that she had that power and she could step into that, um, and stand up for herself in that way and stand up for goodness, beauty and truth in that way and teach him, teach a man how she deserves to be treated. Um, And so I think because of the particularly foggy nature of relationships these days, it increases a lot of the questions that students have in the classroom.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I recently spoke to a group of girls, but before I spoke to them, I got to have lunch with them and they had no idea what I'd be speaking to them about. It was just a total shock. And the whole time I'm like, you don't know what's coming. Um, (laughs) But, um, they're telling me about how, um, one girl has been talking to this guy for months and he's blocked her three times. And so they're at this point where they get along so well and, um, they're like in that dating, but not really stage where they talk to each other first thing before, Or first thing when they wake up, last thing before they go to bed. And um, they always hang out with each other at gym class or wherever. So everyone sees that they get along well as if they're dating. But then they're just talking. And then if he gets mad at her, he just blocks her. And it's happened three times. And Mm -hmm. she's like, do I keep giving him another chance? And I'm like, this doesn't sound healthy to be in a state of... If I'm mad at you, I'm done with you. I'm going to block you and even cut off communication with you. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the chronic non-commitment, I think, is definitely it.
0: Yeah. And this could be a whole episode in and of itself, but probably (laughs) like the the effects of technology on communication Mm -hmm. that then affect dating and commitment is probably like a very interesting piece to Mm -hmm. the ability for young people this day and age to commit or know what that is means because technology does in a way like disconnect us from encountering the the real person and so you can sometimes hide behind these things and then like it's easier to block somebody mm-hmm. and it's you know maybe less hurtful or you're you know that commitment that intensity of commitment yeah. doesn't have to be there mm-hmm. so oh gosh yeah um Well, it sounds like, yes, your job would be so interesting. (laughs) I'm sure that you have like so many, so many more stories and things, but I think that for now, if it's okay, we're going to take a a break and end this episode and maybe, um, start back up in the next one. Does that sound good?
2: Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Awesome.
0: Okay. All right. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining our conversation. Um, We look forward to having you return next time. Thanks.